1: Hello, this is Tim Rice. Welcome to my podcast, episode 22 of Get Onto My Cloud. I'm back with chess. The recording of the original album of chess took around 21 months from January 1983. Until September 1984, roughly the same as the gestation period of an African bush elephant. From these recordings, all subsequent triumphs and disasters have flowed. During this time, I collected a huge number of tapes of the work in progress. Whether they were extremely rough demos of melodies, sometimes with nonsense or dummy lyrics from which it was hoped I would draw inspiration, or whether they were virtually finished master recordings, I had the good sense to hang on to them. They sat in cassette cases for years, barely played but it was good to know they were there. At some point in the late 80s, I allowed ABBA fan and chess mega-enthusiast Dawn Barson to listen to some of these tapes and to make some copies for her private use. Over the years, she repeatedly told me that these unreleased recordings were even more fascinating and enjoyable than even she had expected, and gradually we came to the conclusion that they were too valuable to leave to their fate on decaying cassettes. I gave Dawn, now Dawn Woolhouse, all the tapes I had and commissioned her to identify them, classify them, and transfer them to C D. This she did magnificently, and by two thousand and one I had a pretty good history of the creation of the show in an extremely limited box set edition, mastered and assembled for C D by Vita's top engineer, my old pal David Hamilton Smith. This box set has come in very useful for my podcasts that feature chess, this being the second one so far. In the first one, episode 19, I played the finished versions of perhaps the three best-known songs in the show, One Night in Bangkok, I Know Him So Well, and The Anthem. This time, the recordings are not so well known. The first half of our chess musical was set in the snow-capped, in winter anyway, the snow-capped Tyrolian Spa of Murano. The very first song we completed for the show was That Scene Setter. Here's the first time I heard that tune, Benny, on his mighty organ of many colours. And here is how the song wound up on the finished album. We used to reach out the border
2: was shifting The of the pain I've no mind and
1: Having heard the excellent news that Bjorn and Benny were keen to proceed with writing a musical based around my story of a well known chess championship between an American and a Russian at the height of the Cold War, it had suddenly dawned upon me that we actually had to start writing it, quite an important factor to consider with any new show. A synopsis or an idea, however enthusiastic its creators, is not quite enough on its own to make one start thinking about what to wear on the opening night. The other aspect that has to be decided upon fairly early in the process is how to get the whole shooting match going. Assuming the piece gets written, should it be revealed to the world via a recording, via a stage production, via concert performances, or even via film or television? In the case of chess, it was soon pretty obvious that making the perfect recording of the work first would be the way to go. Not only had this method proved successful for two of my previous efforts, Jesus Christ Superstar and Evita, Bjorn and Benny were kings of the recording studio, their extraordinary run of success with ABBA, illustrating their genius for production and arrangement just as strongly as their wizardry with composition. Of course, the potential downside is that the recording could flop, in which case there will not be many producers or directors interested in any theatrical version. But better to spend a year in the studio creating something that gets the thumbs down from the public than take up to five years or more Attempting to put a stage show together which still may result in audiences determined to stay away from in droves. Believe me, I know. And the only creators needed for the recording studio are the writers. However crucial directors, producers, choreographers, designers et al. maybe later on down the line, and they will be essential, it doesn't half speed things up if you've only got two, or in the case of chess, three, people deciding what the next scene, next song, or next line will be. Another pretty vital decision that needs to be made early on is whether the musical is to have a book, i.e. spoken dialogue between the musical numbers. This was something Andrew Lloyd Webber and I had dispensed with in each of our three successful musicals together. This wasn't, of course, an astute stroke of marketing genius on our part, but something forced upon us by circumstances. Joseph was to be a 20-minute cantata to be sung by young children. Nobody was interested in our idea for a musical about Jesus, except one far-sighted record company. So we abandoned plans to put Superstar straight onto the stage, and making an album forced us to ditch any thoughts of dialogue. And the album first and no dialogue policy worked so well with Superstar that we repeated it for Evita. I don't think Bjorn Benny and I spent more than a few minutes agreeing to make the best possible recording of chess before any attempt to get it staged, and that it was highly unlikely any stage version would have much, if any, dialogue. Our first meeting had been in late 1981, as I described in Get Onto My Cloud episode 19. However, although we'd agreed to make the chess concept our joint project, ABBA was still pretty active in the recording studio then, although plans to bring that phase of their careers to an end were in the wind. Furthermore, I was still very busy in London with my musical with Stephen Oliver, Blondel as described in Get Onto My Cloud 15, pay attention at the back. Chess was not something any of us could get going on instantly. In 1982, ABBA released Lay All Your Love On Me and One Of Us, both top ten singles in the UK, and frankly, the superb One Of Us should have been another number one for them, but it stalled at three. And then in November that year, they put out a Greatest Hits album, a superb retrospective entitled The Singles, The First Ten Years, which stormed the number one in the album charts. The accompanying single, Under Attack, was merely a top-30 hit. Presumably, everybody had already bought it on the album. So, 1982 can now be seen as a definite wind-down year for the formidable ABBA machine. The foursome came over to London to promote the album just before Christmas, and we renewed close contact, both socially and workwise. Mainly socially, as I recall, and judging by photographs. I was, of course, as an ABBA fan, thrilled to meet Frida and Agneta, No one at that point in time had any idea just how huge the ABBA phenomenon was to become over the next 40 years. Mamma Mia! The ultimate jukebox musical triumphing all over the globe. ABBA museums, ABBA-themed restaurants, two Mamma Mia! movies, and now plans for an ABBA world tour as holograms. Actually, maybe Bjorn and Benny did have an inkling back then of what might happen. It was never likely that songs as good and as lasting as theirs would simply go away once the original quartet disbanded. Come 1983, and although Blondel was still moving cautiously towards its stage debut in Bath in September of that year, Bjorn Benny and I began to discuss chess in earnest. I began commuting to Stockholm, and on the first of my 50 or so chess visits to that wonderful city, heard some of B&B's initial ideas for our show. The melodies and the mood of their work were very encouraging from the very first bar. They had thrown themselves into the project with great determination and typically superb organization. The most exciting illustration of this was a proposed trip to Moscow in February. I'd never been to the Soviet Union, and to make my first visit there under the auspices of their polar music offices was a rare privilege. All I had to do was to buy a fur hat and turn up in Stockholm the day before our flight to the Soviet capital. Joining the party were Benny's wife Mona and Bjorn's wife Lena and Richard Voss, the American producer, who'd first alerted me to B&B's theatrical ambitions we travelled out with a heavy load of ABBA merchandise, which I thought might have been a little optimistic, if not presumptuous. How wrong can you be? Here are a couple of other tunes in embryo form from those early days. When the Waves Roll Out to Sea, which never made it into the show, and a number we just called Rap, Press Conference, which did. great tunes such as When the Waves Roll Out to Sea, and that was just a working demo title for the tune, when a great tune like that doesn't make it into the final cut, it meant, I hoped, that the overall standard of the score was very promising. Moscow in 1983 was still a bleak city in many respects. Glasnost and Perestroika, Gorbachev's relationships with Thatcher and Reagan were still to come. Shops and restaurants were basic. Our hotel, the Imperial Dark, and a little forbidding. Only the privileged few at the top of the political pyramid were able to enjoy a lifestyle that came anywhere near that enjoyed by many in the West. We were fortunate to have the Swedish embassy looking after us, and during the three or four days we spent there, we went to the Bolshoi, some intriguing, slightly menacing restaurants, receptions at the embassy, and put in a good deal of sightseeing. We visited a very ornate and absolutely packed Russian Orthodox church service. We went to an ice hockey match, We were free to wander around the city in the day, and the Imperial Bar seemed to be open until very late at night. The fact that ABBA were in town soon got around, and although their records were almost impossible to get in Moscow, or anywhere in the Soviet Union, there were fans galore assembling around the hotel, hoping for a glimpse of their idols, and then following us in the streets. I'm sure some of the crowd mistook Lena and Mona for Agneta and Frida, unaware that they were following only half of ABBA. I soon realized why b had brought along so much ABBA merchandise. They could have given away ten times the amount of stuff they brought with them during our brief visit. Cards, cassettes, photographs, singles, etc. I became known to the most determined of ABBA fans as friend of ABBA, and I sometimes needed a few ABBA souvenirs to get through the crowd outside the hotel myself. I was amazed and delighted when one Russian chap approached me with a copy of Jesus Christ Superstar for me to sign. The album had been banned outright there, back in 1970, and I hoped by 1983 he would not be arrested for possessing subversive material. We also went to a concert given by the Soviet number one popular singer, Ala Pugacheva, and she later hosted an evening for us all, most generously in her apartment, singing for us again, this time to Benny's piano. She has long been the most successful Soviet performer of all time in terms of record sales and live performance. Ala's achievements, and popularity in her home country cannot be overstated. I had the pleasure of meeting her again in early 2020, when visiting Moscow in connection with the first-ever Russian stage production of Chess, scheduled, as I speak, to open in October this year, and she remains the superstar of superstars in her homeland. That trip to Russia was a wonderful start to my working relationship with Bjorn and Benny, and despite the fact that I was working on two shows at once, in 1983, something I would not recommend. By the year's end, Blondel had played in Bath, Manchester and the Old Vic, and chess was taking shape in preparation for the recordings throughout 1984. I'll close with a tune that we played that evening with Ala Pugacheva, which we called, after a lot of thought, Ala's tune. Sad to say, it never made it into the show. <laughs> Tale's tune, written during our chess research trip to Russia. Another melody that was intended for the show, but never made the final lineup. I sometimes think an entire new musical could be constructed using the wonderful tunes we rejected along the creative way, such as the ones I played you on this chess podcast. That was Get Onto My Cloud, episode 22. Written and presented by Tim Rice and produced by Peter Hobbs.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
2: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW proof. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.